Hey everyone, I'm Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the medium has to offer. Oh! <laughs> What's going on, Matt? Dude, I'm chilling. I've recently added um, Podcaster to my Tinder bio. You told me. And it's, uh, it's, it's yielding results. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, mixed, mixed reactions, you know, once they hear this beautiful content, but uh, mostly positive. So, ha- Has anybody asked you for the podcast? Uh, one, one or two. One or two. Ha- have um, our downloads gone up? We're doing <laughs> business is booming, did, Lucas. Did, did we go? Did we go from our 10k to our 15k yet? We goals, we have hit 20k. Right. Um, the sponsors are rolling in. Um, it's it's phenomenal. It's juicy. <laughs> that's the way it is, dude. Dude. Um. So that's awesome. I love that. I, I actually should probably do that and see if I yield results. Right now, I'm the control group for for not getting podcast for not having podcast we're, host. We're doing this scientifically. <laughs> Did you say podcaster or podcast host? Podcast host. Podcaster sounds like a normie. Okay. Okay. I'll, and I know I'll, you have that shit in your LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. I changed it. It says podcast host. Your on header LinkedIn. still says podcaster. But, you need to fix it. Oh, it does. Oh yeah. shit. Okay. I'll change that. But. Uh, okay, I will add podcast host on on the Tinder and the Bumbles and see yeah, see if it yields results. Yeah, we'll do that. Dude, have you seen the Netflix documentary High Score? I have not, but I've heard I've heard good things. This is but this is a big recommendation for anybody out there that is into video games, and you probably are if you're listening to this podcast. There is a Netflix documentary called High Score, and it covers. I've, I've watched two episodes. It covers. The video game industry from like a very early on so it's like atari it's like early nintendo and stuff i think it even cuts off like at 93 or 94 so right? it's so like it the theatrical go... version of uh console wars i guess yeah console wars i haven't read that one but i know that that's i started you're reading. it <laughs> uh, you're reading I it i haven't finished it it's uh it's in this room so there's a there's Somewhere. a quick there's a quick story I think that you'd really appreciate that's in high score. It's it's for some reason it felt like a Matt moment uh, when I was when I was watching it. So uh, basically back in like the 80s when the NES was huge, right? And everybody in their everybody had an NES in their family room. There was a hotline that you can call the Nintendo Hotline. It had like 40 people at a call center, probably more. And these were game masters. These were Nintendo employees that knew the ins and outs of Zelda, uh, Mario. Yeah, they talked about like that everything. a little bit, actually. Yeah, and it was the most interesting job because you just knew video games at that time. And knowing there was no internet, there was no way to look up a cheat code, right? So you just called the 1-800 hotline. It was like a dollar a minute, two dollars a minute. Oh, <laughs> so kids, oh, kids were just running up the phone bill. That's expensive as hell, though. <laughs> yeah, it was. And there was a, a story where they interview a guy that was one of those people. And uh, he, his supervisor would walk in and just go into the room and go, first heart container, Zelda, where is it? <laughs> people, people would go, ah, ah. <laughs> sir, sir. It, it was like, it was like totally just like, how do you beat the first level in balloon battle? <laughs> just like really crazy. I mean, what, that's how you got to do it though, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's your job. Yeah. Really yeah. It just, it was hilarious. I was like, oh, like Matt, awesome environment. Matt, Matt's going to love this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm jealous, actually. I kind of want that job. Speaking of things Matt would love, the Stanley Parable Stanley and the Parable Beginner's and Guide. The Beginner's Guide. That's right, folks. Today, we're looking at the number one video game simulators, Beginner's Guide and the Stanley 
comparable. Hang on, can I do it? Oh! <laughs> that was good! Yeah, it wasn't as good as yours, but I think it was. Well, yeah, okay. it never will be. <laughs> never what forget you your place. Okay! Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> Alright, folks, so these two games, Steven, have a general idea of what we're talking about. We're going to have to give a brief synopsis, too, of each, of each of the games, excuse me, before we get into the details. So, they're pretty, pretty dense. They're, they're pretty abstract. Big brain. Huge, huge brain. So it was a struggle for me as usual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so to start off, we'll look at the Beginner's Guide. So the Beginner's Guide, released October 2015, is an interactive storytelling game that has no unique characters you play as, but rather a lone narrator, Davey Reedon, the creator of The Stanley Parable. Reedon walks you through the games of his enigmatic friend and indie game developer, Coda. Over the course of about two hours, Davey guides you through Coda's games, some of which have been modified by Davy himself to be beatable in a timely manner. Throughout the journey, Davy continues to make deductions about what these games say about the developer Coda and his state of mind at the time of making them, seemingly portraying Coda as someone who was in a creative drought, depressed, and going through emotional struggles. To try and help his friend, Davy has decided to show the games to trusted friends to get positive feedback for Coda. And while the feedback was positive, this just leads Coda to draw into further seclusion and eventually stop making games. After not having contact with Coda for some time, Davey receives a file from Coda containing one final game. The game proves impossible to beat without extensive modification on Davey's end. Once reaching the end of the game, Coda reveals that Reedon has been modifying Coda's games far beyond what he led us to believe, and mistook the, the tone of Coda's games as signs of emotional struggle, mm. and was missing the poem. Pwn. Pwn. He's missing the, yeah. the point. He was missing the point completely. Coda asks Davey to never contact him again. Davey reveals the purpose of the beginner's guide was to try and reconnect with Coda and hopefully apologize to him. In the final epilogue level, Davey elaborates on his own need for social validation, something he achieved through showing off Coda's games to the public. Bam. That was the beginner's Bam. guide. That was the beginner's uh, guide. It, it runs only about an hour and a half, which I, I think is, is, uh, is a point, too. It's really short. Yeah, it's, it's almost like hours, depending on your pace. It's, it's almost like playing a movie, you know? It's like the equivalent of like kind of going in and watching one of those, and I think that's really cool. I'd actually uh, say it has even less gameplay than Stanley Parable in terms of like oh, how yeah. you interact with the world. It's very linear, too. It is. Um, it is. So, so Matt, Matt, just so everyone knows, Matt decided to make this a double episode. So this is, <laughs> I, I, I'm like, dude, this is, there's a lot here. It sounded good. <laughs> so it this, sounded good on paper, so this but is, we're in it now. This is the long one. We're in it, okay? And I'm going to give my synopsis of the Stanley Parable, and we're just going to go in and start talking about both all day. Okay, yeah. so I won't be surprised if this runs to like an hour and a half, Matt, past your bedtime, which is going to be fine. But. Because you, it was your choice to do this in the first place. So, for the for, for the Stanley Parable synopsis, I'm actually gonna uh, read off the intro preamble that Kevin Brighting, Brighting says at the very beginning of the game because I think it actually sums up the premise of the game very well. And then I'm gonna go into what else is done. So, everybody, the Stanley Parable, released in 2011 for the PC, the game ex the game begins with the story of a man named Stanley who works at a large company as employee number 427. His job is simple. Stanley sits at his desk and he pushes buttons instructed by his computer. And a lot of people would think that this job is very boring, but Stanley loved pushing the buttons at his computer. So every day, 
of every week of every month, Stanley pushed buttons on his computer and he was happy. Then one day, Stanley suddenly realized that everybody in his office was gone. None of his coworkers were in their cubicles or at their desks. His boss hadn't called a meeting and he was wondering when he was going to get instructions on what buttons to push at his computer because nothing had showed up on the screen. So Stanley decides to walk out of his office and explore what the hell is going on in his world. Okay, the Stanley Parable gameplay turns into you going down a series of different branching paths, uh, breaking the narrative, and going down the metafiction black hole, as I like to call it. <laughs> yeah, and that's really what it is, the metafiction black hole, because the Stanley Parable... Yeah, narration hell, it's insane. Basically, the game of Stanley Parable consists of you making certain choices within the game, and the narrator is t talking about you in third person, and then referring to you eventually in first person, depending on the paths that you take, and creating this really interesting narrative experience where you're essentially breaking the game, but... Are you? Are you? Yeah, it, it starts drawing that line, which is so crazy. Uh, and again, that's why it makes it so meta and it's so like... cool. Breaking the game by design is maybe one way to yeah, think of it. Yeah, So, really cool game. What, Matt, what are, we, what are we going on first? Let's, uh, let's start with the mastermind. Let's, okay. Uh, let's talk about Big Dog Reedon. <laughs> okay. I, I think, I, I think Davey Reedon, so Davey Reedon is the creator of both of these games. He's the mastermind behind it all. Um, and he's actually a character within the world of The Beginner's Guide. He is the narrator of The Beginner's Guide. Um, and Davey Reardon is a super, super interesting guy. Uh, I did a lot of research on him. Uh, actually he going didn't even into this go one. to game school, like dev school. No, no, nothing like that. film school, right? He went to USC film school, yeah, yeah which is great. actually not an easy thing to do in the first place. No, I applied super to USC. Program. I applied to USC film school. They denied my application. Um, you know, they found some <laughs> stuff on the criminal background that they, they couldn't really <laughs> overlook. Uh, so uh, they, they denied me on that one. Uh, little 17-year-old Lucas. But um, it's no easy feat to just get into that school in the first place. And as, as Davey actually put it, it's, it's an industry school. Um, their, their job is to make you get a job uh, through that school. And when, while he was going through USC film school, he was playing a lot of video games at the time. I think this was kind of the early uh, indie game boom. I think it was like 08, 09 or something like that, where he was kind of exploring uh, his creativity. Uh, he was obviously writing a lot of films. And, he, you know, he was actually a more critical studies oriented in film school rather than production oriented, which is where a lot of people tend to go. So he was all about analyses, uh, writing essays, writing uh, crazy weird stories. And, and there's a story, uh, for anybody that's really interested in Davey, there is a great episode on the podcast Tone Control. Um, you can just type it into your Spotify or your Apple right now, Apple Podcasts, and find it. Uh, and Davey talks about how his professor said, hey, dude, can you just write like a normal story for once? <laughs> like, like a regular, like beginning, middle, end. I'd love uh, to read some uh, of his other stuff that he put together. Just yeah, like, I, I would, I would too. Um, he, his professor was like, just write a normal story that people could just digest because <laughs> his stuff was way too crazy. It was like the Stanley Parable or the Beginner's Guide. Uh, so he's a, he's a, off the bat, he's a really interesting guy already. He was in film school and he saw that there was so much more going on that was innovative in the video game world. I mean, this is when, this is like kind of that era, so this is like Braid. I think the same year the Stanley Parable came out, you had like Bastion, Terraria. So he had some like really interesting video games. And like, the cool yeah, thing about... 
<laughs> Last of Us, yes. Yeah. The Last of Us. In 2013 with the remake, not the original 2011. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, fine. The, the, the thing that Davey actually says about video games that I really uh, am aligned with, uh, and Matt, you could, you could agree or disagree here. Uh, I think that as gamers, gamers that I know are, are all open-minded enough to at least try and play something like The Stanley Parable yeah. or The Beginner's Guide, where the film equivalent of that stuff is like unwatchable for some people. I think that video games That's are so in, they're so innovative and they're so different, and everybody's so open-minded about trying new things in video games. And they're they're more engaging than a weird movie sometimes. Yeah, because you're active in it, you yeah. know, and and, you're and activated. Like, you're activated. Yeah. Every every new innovative video game feels like it's really trying something new. Is how I feel, especially during this era. Um, with something like the Stanley Parable coming out, I, I mean, I had never played anything like it when I had played it. Right. And I didn't go like, oh, this is some pretentious art house shit. You know, I, I don't care for it. Or like, oh, I, I, there, there wasn't any judgments to make on it because it was so fresh. It was so new that I couldn't like give any sort of analytical take on it. Like I could a movie where I can go, oh, no, no, that guy, it's, it's a throwaway or it's self-important or anything like that it's so innovative when did you hear of it first or which one did you hear first actually stanley or beginner's guide stanley parable was the first uh, introduction to davy that i had gotten you know uh, for yeah. first introduction and really the stanley parable was one of the first introductions to a really a, a game like it like a really artistically fulfilling game that, that i think things... the stanley parable is the game that got me into indie games really yeah Wow. Before that, I think it was probably one of the first games I played on my PC. And before that, I was always just like, and I still am, obviously they're fun games sometimes, Like, but I was just always, you know, the Call of Duty, Halo guy, like yeah. Kingdom Hearts, like very, I guess, you know, big developer, big uh, AAA, AAA games. AAA yeah. Um, and I hadn't really played anything smaller like that. And then my cousin Johnny was a little bit older than me and I was always like been really big into games and stuff, recommended it to me. I was like, all right, yeah, I'll check it out. Finally, my cousin's talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, man, that's a good uh, feeling. Uh, Cool-ass cousin. Uh, I played it, and it was just like, oh, my God. I must have been 2014. I would have been around 18 when I played it. And I, I wasn't in college yet. My brain couldn't comprehend what was going you weren't, on. Oh, you weren't? I was, like, entering college. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, you're one year ahead of me. Yeah, I'm one year ahead yeah. of you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, keep going. I have but, my – go ahead. But yeah, I just remember playing it, and it was just it, there's nothing comparable to it really, as far as I think what it tries and how it kind of commentates on whether it's free will, whether it's you know altruism, whether it's um, narration. It just it, whether it's just fucking with you. Whether it's just fucking with you. Maybe yeah. none of it means anything. You know? Like, yeah. It it's what's beautiful about it is it can be taken in any direction you want it. And yeah, kinda, you can really easily assign your own meaning to it. I think that's one of the beautiful things um, about it. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree. So I, I actually first played the Stanley Parable summer of 2014. So I think it would have been the same year as you, um, as your initial introduction. Um, the game was did released. You, did in... you get the achievement? Go outside? No, I, I didn't because I didn't buy yeah. the game. Yeah, but, but there, um... there's an achievement if you play the game. Excuse me. If you play the game and then you don't play it for five years, and then you, re excuse me again. Wow. <laughs> and then you reopen it, you get an achievement called uh, "Going Outside," 
which is not playing the game for five years. <laughs> yeah, it's so. It, I mean, but that achievement is commentary on something in and of itself. And there's also another achievement I want to bring up too. That's really interesting. Um, but, but my first introduction to the Stanley Parable was the summer of 2014, and uh, for me, it was actually after my freshman year of college. Uh, so I was living in California, and I had graduated from high school in a small town in Oregon. So that summer, I decided to go back to Oregon from the town that I was from uh, for a month and just kind of reset. You know, it was my first year of college, and I felt kind of lost at the time, honestly. So I just kind of stayed with my, say, the friend of friend's apartment and chilled up in, in my town and uh, just hung out, played Magic the Gathering, played some Smash Bros, you know. And then uh, my friend kind of said, hey, you got to play this game. And uh, he just sat and watched me play it um, as <laughs> I played it on his PC. He just wanted to get my opinion of it, you know. And uh, for the next hour or so, I was just like blown away. Like it was unbelievable how fast the game took me off my feet, you know? Um, and it, it just unfolded so well for me. I think the first ending I got was like the really weird downstairs ending. Uh, and then I got the mind control facility yeah. ending. I think my uh, first ending was actually, I think I followed it to a T because I was scared to do anything. Else. Oh, really? You did the mind yeah, control I'm, one? I'm, I'm a oh, sheep, you're baby. a sheep, dude. A sheep. I knew it. Dude, okay, you are. You are. Let's be honest. You can't even, you can't even play a game. You I was like, what? What's going to happen if I don't, if I don't lose it? <laughs> I know, dude. It's funny because like, I think that I'm, I'm a half sheep because right? I think I took like the commands up to a certain point. And then I was like, no, I, I fucked this narrator. I'm going to go downstairs. <laughs> and then that's the weirdest ending, in my opinion. That that weird, like, where you're just part of somebody else's dream sort of ending, um, which is, is too deep for me to anal analyze. <laughs> I, I got to be honest with you, though, man. I have a pretty sick sheep impression. <sighs> go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why I asked. <laughs> okay, okay, hang on. Okay. Let me get back in. Let me get back in. Uh, uh, let's so, bounce to the beginner's guide, actually. Wait, wait let me. I, I gotta finish my oh, my my so little much. thing here. So I played the Stanley Parable in a time in my life where it was after my freshman year of college. I had gotten out of a, a serious relationship and I, I needed a reset. Right. And I'm not saying the Stanley Parable was like this deep sense of meaning. Uh, for me, but I do want to say I think the Stanley Parable was so refreshing and so insanely intellectually stimulating that it, it pulls you to a place that pulls you out of that for me. I, sure. I'm a huge proponent of like the media you consume consumes you. And I think that we're always surrounding ourselves with a lot of junk food and a lot of trash. Uh, you know, we're no different. Man. Anime. We, play, <laughs> we, play, we watch anime. We play, uh, I mean, we play Valorant, Valorant, we play Apex, we play League. And, um, you know, at a certain point, those games really do wear on you. I think from an intellectual standpoint, where a lot of times they challenge you, but a lot of times they're not challenging you in necessarily a healthy way. I think the Stanley Parable made me feel extremely refreshed from an intellectual standpoint. It felt like I was feeding my brain those vegetables and fruits. Uh, and, and I think that it, that's an important thing to say about this video game, at least from my perspective personally. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, it's it's the vegetables and the fruits and the the vitamins, and then Valorant <laughs> is like the the junk food and the cyanide. You know? <laughs> Valorant, Valorant is the cocaine for sure. Pretty much, it just yeah. brings you up, brings, brings you, you up, down. gets you addicted, bro. It's, I can quit anytime I want. <laughs> yeah, brings you back down. Yeah, brings you all the way back down to Iron Two. Iron Two. Uh, I got into Iron Three last night. Yeah, that's an issue. Back on topic. Um, <laughs> Uh, really quick though, beginner's guide. Uh, yes. I only heard of it recently, actually. I think I always 
knew about it, but it wasn't top of mind until recently when I know you and I were talking about doing an episode on Stanley Parable. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure this guy has another game. I just never played it. And then I looked it up and yeah, beginner's guide. Um, and honestly, it, it's not even really a game you can get a first impression of or like a first take. And cause it, it's for one, it's such a short game. Yeah. Um, and it, you don't really, I guess, get the bulk of the story until the very, like, maybe last 10, 15 minutes. Right. Because, you know, Stanley, you're going to be really engaged from the beginning where, you know, you realize, oh, I can break free from the narrator. I can do all these different tasks, get all these different endings. But um, but Beginner's Guide is very linear in that regard, um, opposite of that, to where you're following a very set path and you're learning a very laid out story. Um, and I something I kind of realized and what I think too is, you know, beginner's guide is a game that encourages you to be a better human and a better friend. And it's a game that learned from Stanley parable. Whereas Stanley parable is a game that encourages you to be more critical and to be a better gamer. And I really do think, and we can get into this more a little bit soon, but I really do think the beginner's guide is very much directly a product of how the Stanley Parable influenced David Ab- Absolutely, absolutely. And I, yeah. I, I have a little anecdote about that one. I, the, the Beginner's Guide, the concept of it was concepted before the Stanley Parable was completed. Concepted? Conceptualized? Con- concept, <laughs> concepted, yeah. Yeah, like incepted, but concepted. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's a thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> thanks, man. Uh, it was concepted. Uh, <laughs> actually, before the uh, Stanley Parable had actually been shipped, right? And uh, Davy Reedon just had the idea in his head, um, and he he definitely took influence after the Stanley Parable came about because he's Davy Reedon. The narrative has sort of become, and there's a blog post actually we're going to be talking about here. Uh, Davy Reedon did enter a space of um, depression and, and anxiety after the release of the Stanley Parable, and. Th- you know, it's crazy as Matt, I, I learned this, this happens very frequently with like a lot of very, uh, you know, with, with people that are very hyper-focused on a project right. and kind of pour their heart and soul into their very first project and kind of hit a home run. And I mean, Davey Reedon did that. He got so much I mean, he wasn't praise. really, he wasn't known at all before this, right? Like, Not really. Was, I think yeah. he had made some mods. Um, and I think he was kind of in a small circle of people that had been making stuff, kind of like a, he probably had a like, coda. Yeah, yeah, but this like catapulted him. You know? Absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. He was getting like emails that were basically saying like, you're an absolute genius. Like you are, how did you do it? Where'd you get this idea? Like hundreds of thousands of people had downloaded his game and he had all this, the validation that he, he actually says that he's had been seeking a lot, you know, seeking a lot of validation in his life to, to be called a genius. And he realized that, there wasn't a lot of fulfillment in that scenario. Uh, He said, and this is a direct quote, um, again, from that Tone Control podcast. He says, it was like drinking from a fire hose and it didn't make him any less thirsty. All that, that's about the praise from the Stanley parable. And, and you, it echoes so much into the beginner's guide. Yeah. And it's almost like that kind of level of success gives you some weird mixture of almost imposter syndrome mixed with, not not narcissism i don't think that's the right word i'm looking for but just like that need for like more validation in a sense and like right. are you sure it's good like did this person like did the person that emailed me here like did like did everyone like it yeah and it's just gonna it's like um it's like instagram you know oh, 
I go like off on when Instagram. When I post a photo, it's like, oh, did I get enough likes? Am I getting my serotonin hit right now? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, yeah. It's, um, it's a, it turns into a drug. It's like success is a drug. Like that kind of success is, in my opinion. Like well, he says, he says that. He says that in the blog post about how he would just look for like validation on that stuff. Right. And he was talking about how like every time there was a new game awards show he's like are we there are we there did we make are, it am i on the game of the years list here yeah he did Jeez. say too this is a quick one uh he did say that any game of the year list that year that didn't have papers please on it he just wouldn't believe <laughs> even I if he was that. on it yeah I, hey i respect it dude uh it's we love game. this is a lucas pope podcast so <laughs> we love we loved Oberdin. we loved papers please we did so yeah, um, I agree with Davey Reedon on that one, <laughs> which is cool. One um, day we'll we'll touch on the uh, we'll we'll do a special release of Papers Please, like Papers a, Please. Yeah. yeah, Papers Please was our uh, was our test episode podcast. Yeah. So that, technically, episode zero was Papers Please. One day we may release that <laughs> that one. And speaking of that blog post, though, too, there was an amazing quote from a comic book or a comic like little strip he wrote to accompany the blog post where he's going over how kind of like causing to fall into depression and i think this quote really makes it very clear how much um influence the aftermath of stanley parable had on the beginner's guide so the quote goes since stanley parable launched i've been feeling kind of unhinged floating between two emotional states on one hand a sense of ownership or this thing i've worked on for years for four years on the other hand, the loss of having turned that ownership over to hundreds of thousands of people. And I think anyone, end quote, <laughs> I, I think anyone that does anything that is a creative, that is anything that puts out a product that is creative in some way or another, once you do finally release it to all those people, it's going to be, on one hand, it's going to be like, oh my God, this is amazing. On the other hand, it's going to be, oh my God, why are they looking at it this way? You know, it's going to be two very contradicting feelings because as the artist, you know, he probably, even with the game that's as flexible as Stanley Parable, you're going to have a certain image and a certain takeaway you want people to have inherently, I think. Right. Um, even if it's on a subconscious level. And then once you see someone that maybe has a take on it that you don't like at all, it's going to be like, what? Like, not Nani? Like, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> that's um, true. And it's interesting because especially with a game that is, as heavily analyzed as Stanley Parable, it really does kind of take away. It's like, is it really your game anymore? You know? Right. And I think that's an interesting idea that probably not a lot of game developers, at least not that we hear of a lot, because we think of a big game, you know, like, like, like Last of Us 2, there's gonna be like a million people working on that game, you know? It's like one person's ownership. Right. Or Titanfall 2. Right. Or Titanfall 2. Whereas this was worked on by uh, just Davey and then uh, William, William Pugh as well. We can't forget him. Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, Help yeah, the master that was released in 2013. But now I I do want to on that though, um, which is really interesting is like when it comes to something like a AAA title, like we just did Titanfall two. That was our previous episode, and and you know that's just a big fun AAA awesome game, right? It's a movie, and uh, it's a movie. It's like playing yeah. through an action movie, right? Whereas the Stanley Parable and the Beginner's Guide, they actually require there to be like an off off authorial voice, authorial, authoritarian. Whatever the Sorry. word is, authoritarian. <laughs> Author no, not authoritarian. <laughs> <laughs> they were, they were, they require an author's voice to be in there. Like you have yeah. to know that one singular individual had the concept and and had the direction here and had the vision. Otherwise, it doesn't work. I mean, the beginner's guide, literally, yes, right. The Stanley yeah. Parable, though, you play it and you feel like 
oh, this was like a guy. This is a guy's idea. He, like, this is written by one person, and, and it's small enough in scale to feel like it was kind of just a small, like maybe one guy and a small team of people building out stuff. It doesn't like feel big, so the messages can be taken more seriously. I right. think that's really important to consider. Uh, <laughs> the bigger the scale goes on a video game, the further you get away from authorial intent, right? Right, yeah. And with Stanley Parable, it's so close, and it's it makes it special for that reason. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and it's again, I, I I just love the beginner's guide too because it's so clearly, like I mentioned, it's just so clearly a contradiction to Stanley Parable. Like it's the way I look at it is beginner's guide is almost directly asking you to not overanalyze and like just yeah. stop dissecting the Stanley parable, like leave it alone and just, you know, move on. Type yeah. Thing, which I thought was super fun. Yeah. Uh, fun pop quiz. Oh, Oh, Oh no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Pop quiz. What TV show has the Stanley parable made an appearance in? Mm, I don't watch a lot of TV. Hang on. Hang on. Uh, is Supernatural still on the air? Do they still play that one? <laughs> it is not Supernatural. Okay, hang on. Is, 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 uh, how about Leverage? Do they still play that one? I'll give you, I'll give you one more hint. It's on Netflix. I think it's a... That doesn't help. Netflix. The Office, bro. That's not bad. <laughs> oh, okay. Hang on. I'm close. Last Am I close? Case. Okay. Um, one word. Politics. House of Cards. Oh! <laughs> yeah daddy <laughs> wait one house of cards is three words what oh you said one <laughs> word oh shit oh okay one guess if yeah I okay i apologize okay. wait wait yeah, it was house really of on cards. there are you yeah, serious yeah. how yeah, it's um i don't know i stopped watching after like season two so i looked up the scene but i didn't have the full context but it's frank underwood uh talking to like some guy and he the guy's having him play through uh, Stanley Parable, and he's just like, I, I don't, I don't get it. And the guy's like, if you don't follow instructions, chaos ensues. Really? <laughs> and Frank's Dude. like, Frank's like, I don't got time for this. It's funny because he's a gamer on the show. He is. Kevin he plays Spacey's like character. Call of Duty to uh, unwind and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that was just product placement for for PlayStation, though. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's just that's just clear as day in that one, and. Uh, just want, to, just want to say that. But, uh, dude, that's actually cool. It made a cameo. I'm, I'm happy about that. I wonder how Davey feels about that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they had to get his permission, obviously, yeah. I, I don't know, because, you know, in that blog post, Davey puts on the bottom of the blog post. Did you see that? I might have missed that part. What do you say? So, on the bottom of the blog post that we're referring to, um, which is where Davey talks about the success of the Stanley Parable and how it put him into a really tough mental spot, at the very bottom, um, it says... Here, I hereby grant permission for all people to use my uh, use my video game, use the Stanley Parable to create any sort of content that you want. I'm oh, not going to flag really? you for anything. Monetize to your heart's desire. Do whatever That's you really want. That's really cool. Yeah, so, I mean, it's possible that he, you know, they didn't have to ask permission because he kind of gave it out publicly to everybody. Um, I don't know what kind of legal standing that that particular blog post has, but um, it shows the attitude of Davey, right? Where he's just like, hey, Very much so, yeah. I put it out into the world. It belongs to you now. It doesn't belong to me. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. So I wanna I wanna jump on over to uh, game design. Is that cool with you, Matt? Yeah, Daddy. Okay. So uh, Stanley Parables, game design, and then we'll jump on over to the beginner's guide. I mean, overall, what do you think of the actual interactive ideas behind the Stanley Parable? Phenomenal. Like I have nothing 
bad to say about how the Stanley Parable approached anything. It's just such a... There's like this dissonance, right? Because, you know, in it, in that game, storytelling is not... It's not a, like a choice. It's not a narrative thing, but it's a gameplay mechanic, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's just... The whole game design, it's like, is there any real direction? Is there not direction? It's... Yeah, I don't even... I, I can't even form words about it because it's just so abstract. I, yeah, I, I think... Like, the game design of Stanley Parable is so tied into everything about it. Um, like, I mean, the game design is literally just walk and make choices, right? Walk, yeah. I mean, just, I, I want to I make sure we touch on this because it's, it's like the, the crux of the whole problem, um, like, that the Stanley Parable presents, which is you're walking around your office at the very beginning of the game, and you walk down a hallway, and you just kind of turn left, turn right, you know, walk around, and you approach a room that has a door on the left and a door on the right, okay? And the narrator says, when Stanley came to a pair of doors, he went through the door on the left. So the narrator is already talking about what you did in the past tense. Now you as a player, you have control over your character, so you can go left or you can go right, right? So if you go left, the story continues and the narrator keeps talking and you do the next thing and he keeps talking and, and so on and so on. But if you go to the door on the right, you actually broke the narrator's narration, uh, and and you so so that moment when you go up to the door, and Stanley entered the door on the left, you're presented with an inherent problem, right? And it's the problem of like narration versus like control and free will and gameplay. And I think like that's where the game design kicks in. That is the game, right? Everything it's jarring actually, at first. I know where where it hits you, and you're like, yeah, exactly. wait, I can just. I can just what? Like, yeah, I could just walk to the door on the right. Yeah, you're not. I'm, it, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take this door and then I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go to broom closet for 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 the game is just a series of branching. It has multiple endings. Obviously, I, I think it has. I mean, Matt, I, th I think it had 16 endings. Um, yeah. Of various. It's really a. It's really a game that lets you just. You get to express yourself. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you get to create your own story. You get to have your own fun. Obviously, like, you know, there's some gameplay that is unavoidable with the way the narrator chimes in and stuff. But it really is a game where you get to do what you want and you get to decide what Stanley is all about at the end of the day, which is right. crazy. Right. And there's, I, I think that the gameplay will lead you, well, the gameplay will lead you to a different ending each time, depending on the choices that you make. There are not necessarily any, there's no wrong choices in the game. There's just different endings. Yeah. And each individual ending, I think, sort of covers a different philosophical idea uh i'm gonna go into some of my favorite endings near the end but um different ideas there's ideas of like free will like matt said there's ideas of altruism uh and there's all these kind of interesting little things that get revealed during each ending and uh i, I it's just so cool the, the game actually breaks the fourth wall to the point where it's like borderline just ge like really genius i, I know we always that word. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah like it's kind of funny too i listened to an interview with Reedan. And the interviewer was like, so how did you approach the level design for each ending? And Rian was just like, it's a game. Who cares? Like, yeah. <laughs> like God, the he's most the goat. an answer you could give. Just like, yeah, forget it. Like, he's, he's so, he's, he's, I, I, I got, I got a lot of uh, respect for that guy. He's, he's super cool. Uh, like, okay, for instance, hang on. I do want to bring this up. There's an achievement in the, in the Stanley Parable. And, and you go on Steam and you look at the achievements and it says like, click on this particular door five times. Did you go? Did you do that one? I don't think I did. No. So there's an achievement. Let's just call it. It might be door 420. It's like click on door 420 
five times. That's the name of the, that's the achievement description. So I was like, oh, sick, like an achievement. So I walk over the door, I click on it five times, and the narrator goes, did you really think an achievement would be that easy to get? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh my God, they got me. Like, You're it was insane, man. like, it's operating on a level that's like even beyond the realm of the game where like they're actually writing in meta fiction in the actual achievements, making it like, ultra meta like it's like it's like fifth wall breaking yes yeah, like, they broke the fifth wall it's like the fourth it's wall is it talking to you and then the fifth wall is it like going into your computer and making like achievements like that <laughs> it's like doki doki literature club or something it's insane okay i haven't played that i one wonder yet. if doki doki was at all inspired by stanley parallel that'd be interesting when we do our doki doki yeah. episode i think that'd be a yeah. good thing to talk about so uh, and that's well oh, we got to move on to the beginner's guide gameplay yeah. so, <laughs> i could talk for hours on this one yeah, and in the beginner's guide too. Before we get like strictly, there's really actually not that much gameplay to discuss. You're, it's basically just you walking through, uh, Coda's games, and there's like maybe one or two levels where, you know, you have a gun to shoot even though you don't really have any targets, and there's maybe another level where you have to solve, or all the levels have some sort of like, extremely rudimentary basic puzzle to solve, but there's not really any engagement or gameplay like there is in the Stanley Parable, but where it lacks and i guess the gameplay you know it tells this phenomenal story and the game design really is the or the storytelling really is the game design here in a similar but different way to how it is in beginner's guide like for example one thing that i just found so interesting and so compelling about the beginner's guide and kind of what it's um trying to say and at least what i took from it personally um sorry if this is wrong davy <laughs> go ahead go ahead day man um I really think it touches on the idea, in my opinion, of like altruism not really being a thing and not really being possible. Because um, the whole thing is, you know, Davy Reedon's character. We'll call this in game Davy versus like Davy Prime to reference the beginner's there's two, guide. There's, there's Davey. two Davies. You want to context yeah. contextualize that? So game Davy clearly uses. Um, he takes Coda's games. He's like, all right, I'm going to show these to all these people. I'm, this is a nice thing to do. This is the right thing to do. But at the end of the game, he really just admits he's doing it for himself. And he's doing it for the reasons of feeling good, even though on paper, at the surface level, it looks like a really you know, altruistic kind of selfless thing to do. Take the time to go and show these games to people. But really, it's just doing it for himself. And we could do a whole thing on how the debate of like whether things can be altruistic in nature or not because at the end of the day like we do things to an extent because we are motivated by feeling good you know hey like hey i donated you know a hundred thousand dollars to charity that's so nice like but damn that makes me look good on instagram it makes me feel good that you know, makes that me feel thing. good yeah even if so, you're doing it for the feeling of feeling good you're still technically doing it for a selfish reason is yeah which is weird at? but then there's also the argument where like if you're doing it empathetically you know like I'm getting off topic. <laughs> no, no, it goes, no, no. I mean, that, that feeds into one of the themes, I think, in the beginner's guide, for sure. Because character in the game, Davey, is being altruistic, right? Yeah, he's attempting to be, you know, uh, sympathize with Coda and trying to help them. It's really, is this altruism or is this just selfless um, satisfaction? There's a, right. or so fulfilling uh, selfish desires, rather, excuse me. So I just think that's so interesting in the way the game kind of prizes at that. And 
there's one level in particular, one of the few levels in Beginner's Guide where you really are interacting with the world around you. And in my opinion, it's the one level that completely contradicts what the Stanley Parable is going for. Okay, let me hear it. So there's a level where you're literally just in a house, like uh, in this like mountain landscape. You're in a house and you're just helping um, the owner of the house clean. There's nothing else really, nothing intended. Davey, ga game Davy breaks the game to where you can eventually leave and quote-unquote beat the level. But for all intents and purposes, Coda designed that game for you to not be able to leave that house and for you to just continue doing uh, menial tasks and cleaning this house. Read in Dave, Game Davy comments how he thinks this level is one of the only times Coda was truly happy. Coda was happy creating a game where you're doing menial tasks. Complete opposite of a game like Stanley Parable where you're constantly breaking the norm. You're not just pushing buttons. You know, it's just a total, in my opinion, it's a complete contradiction. And it totally, there's so many meanings you can take from Stanley Pearl, but it totally invalidates the one of like not being a sheep, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And totally, invalidate might be harsh, contradicts yeah. that idea. Because there is something to be said for doing a simple task and completing it and seeing the results. Cleaning right. a house, knowing that you clean it really well yourself and they didn't have to hire any outside parties to help it. No, no, no. Manual, I'm serious. Like that, that's like, okay, cool. I did something today. It's that simple self-satisfaction, you know? Right. Maybe, or like going out and doing like manual like labor. Oh, the movie Office Space comments really well on this. <laughs> sure. Is um, that your companion piece pick? Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I just thought that was so interesting how it totally contradicts the idea of not being a sheep to where Kodo was at his happiest being When a sheep. he was... Yeah. Creating a game where you are a sheep. And I'd argue Code is actually the hero of that story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I think so, I just, too. That blew my mind, and it was, um, it's crazy. And then, really, the Beginner's Guide itself is a game about kind of touching on some of the dangers of overanalyzing things. And look at me go! Yeah, look at you go, dude. You're overanalyzing everything. I'm overanalyzing the yeah. shit out of it. It's like, why did the author make the curtains blue? Because he wanted to. You know? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I think that's, that's really interesting, too, because... Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the Beginner's Guide has so much to say, I think. I think it does the most with how, how much time it has on screen to say. It's on, you know, it's on screen for an hour and a half or two hours, yeah. max, depending on how long you play it for. And I think the Beginner's Guide just has so much, so many layers in there, because it has, like, those themes of, sort of those themes of altruism, where, like, Dave, D Game Davy doing what he's doing in the Beginner's Guide is doing so to make himself feel better. Right, the character right. that that Davy Reed and Davy Prime is playing is just trying to make him release himself from this guilt he has about Coda. Meanwhile, Coda is just this kind of a kind of genius, you know, really creative game designer that's creating all these games that are giving Davy like imposter syndrome in a way. Yeah. Uh, so there's like themes of that. Coda is like a creative artist type himself or whatever it. But Coda is also like not because Coda just likes making games about prison. That, and they yeah. even talk about that. It's like, Coda's not necessarily somebody who's trying to be, like, super deep. Coda's just trying to... Just doing experiment. it once. Experiment, yeah. you know? And and I think, like, Davey trying to find... Davey, game Davey trying to find all these meanings to Coda's games is kind of part of what you said is, like, overanalyzing uh, for the sake of overanalyzing. Yeah, literally, you... like, one of the message at the end of the game where Coda reveals, like, he knows what he's been doing, uh, that, like, showing his games to people that has permission. He's like, I know you're showing my games. Like, you're totally missing the point. I, and it, I, I think one of the quotes is something like, you thinking these mean I'm depressed? This is a this lot is more, more about, about you than it, than it does me. about me. Yes, yeah, dude, like, okay. Oh my God. 
I okay, hang on. I, I don't know if you caught my stream, but uh, for those of you that caught it on Twitch when I was playing I watched through, a little bit, but so I, I was I was playing through the beginner's guide on Twitch and I think I caught a I caught like yeah, maxed out at like three viewers on that one, so uh, oh, I could definitely use more, more followers. Uh, yeah, it is. It's more than one. Twitch TV as well. idea, Lucas. That's right, that's right. Um, I was streaming this one and uh, when I saw that quote I literally stopped and I like talked to the chat. I was like, yo. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know a lot of people that it, like project their own negativity or like meaning into some artworks, uh, specifically like movies and TV shows, and it definitely says more about them than it does about the work or the author behind the work. And um, I, I paused on the stream and I was just like, everybody, take this advice right now. <laughs> this is real shit right here. And um, I, I love that that was thrown in there, even though at the end, I mean, ultimately, there is no coda. There no. is no there is no game Davy, right? And it's all just sort of, it's all just part of the game world. You know, it's part of a story that we're meant to believe for a little bit. And I, um, it, you know, it still has a lot to say about those kinds of things. And I think we should still try and derive meaning from what game Davy is trying to get across despite it not being real. I think like, I was reading some reviews, like a lot of people, as soon as they find out Coda's not real or it was all made up, they're just like, ah, it's bullshit. Like, right, yeah, this yeah. game is like, I want a refund. Like, I was watching some like video essays on uh, Beginner's Guide 2, and there are some camps that still firmly believe Coda's a real person. Really? That's yeah. interesting. There's people that still want their, there's people that try to get refunded about from the game. Like really, people that, people that go like, "Oh, he, oh, Davy Reedin reading about that. He like stole all these games." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it was like, "Oh, Davy Reedin stole somebody else's games and passed them off as his own game and packaged it, packaged them up." Uh, he is a he steals from people and like this isn't cool. I want my money back. You know, this isn't the game I wanted or whatever. Yeah, and, honestly, uh, if if Coda was actually real. They could totally make a movie about this. It'd be oh, like yeah. The Social Network or something. Oh, yeah. dude, that'd be that'd be intense. It's it's kind of funny too. Um, Davey talked about like on the on the podcast by Tone Control. He talked about he was get he would get emails from people. He get two kinds of emails from people. Well, he got a lot of emails about the Beginner's Guide, yeah. but he would get some one. He literally about, gives his email at the beginning of the game. Yeah, exactly. So people w could email him, and some emails would go like, "Oh my God, it was it was genius. I thought that was awesome. Great job." You know, uh, is Coda real though? <laughs> and then he just wouldn't. He just like wouldn't answer it. And yeah, then yeah. and he just like would ignore it. Like oh whatever. Like you know I'm not gonna answer that just for the sake of not answering it. But then he would get some emails of people that f believed everything face value, mm -hmm. and he they were like oh my god you are an asshole. You are a total jerk. You know and like oh, it's it's kind of funny because there is no reading if you believe everything at face value. There's no reading other than. This, this guy's guy an, asshole. an asshole. This yeah, guy yeah. is a jerk. He's just trying to, like, he's a pro he projected all of his negativity and depression onto Coda during that time, yeah. and then he tried to release his guilt by releasing the beginner's guide. What a total asshole, right? And like Davey says in the Tone Control podcast, he says, "Okay, I'm actually not an asshole. I have literal proof that I'm not because this is not real." <laughs> it's like there's the one thing he's like, "I am not. I swear." <laughs> That's, I, that's so interesting. So, yeah. I, I I do want to move on. Are, are you good on game design for these two? Or you want to? Uh, I'm good. Yeah, man. So art design. Art. Yeah. Honestly, what do you think of the art style? The simplicity of it serves it well. I agree. Um, especially with Beginner's Guide because it's a game that 
is made by the the story is that it is made by a very indie game developer you know very does his own thing and at the beginning of the game redeemon says it's all made in the source engine you know it doesn't go on that so it it serves it perfectly i mean it's it's not like insane or anything it just it, it serves the story very well and does its purpose in my opinion and same with stanley parable i don't really have i guess too many thoughts yeah i i completely agree with both i think um well one thing on the stanley parable is i think it's meant to be a very dry depressing office space i think the source engine actually plays like a big role it does serve that very well with what it enables you to create it's very boxy you know so it's it's very boxy long corridors and things like that and i think uh the source engine obviously does that very well uh having played a lot of counter-strike you know, kind of <laughs> understand that one. Uh, and I think, I mean, the, the beginner's guide, it quite literally says it's built on the source engine. Right. So it, we wouldn't be able to even have that line if, if it wasn't true, right? Um, but the whole thing about it is, um, I think that these games wouldn't work if it wasn't the source engine, just because it needs to feel like an indie game in order to work. If this was some overproduced, Blizzard-looking, playable Pixar. Right. Everything's playable Pixar these days, right? And uh, I think the messaging would have gotten a little lost because it would have felt too overproduced to feel... Uh, it does like... have to be... Yeah, it, it does have to be simple to work. I think there's no way around that. Yeah. It, it reminded me of... Um... Especially for a beginner's guide, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Actually, more especially for that than the Stanley Parable. It, it kind of reminds me of like the Blair Witch Project where you don't have a, a budget for like expensive gear, and you don't have a team with expertise, so you can't right. even like you can't do like a big overproduced thing. So you try to form a narrative that'll work for that gear, right? So it's like, oh, like let's make the art, the the engine, the art style, an actual like point in the right. story and the narrative about this game. So I, I mean, it's crazy because you're making a very plain looking source engine design look feel so alive. Despite Absolutely. it just inherently looking because the narration like is so good and the story is so in, in, uh, enticing and it really envelops you. And it, keep in mind, again, it, this was released in 2015. You know, so Reiden absolutely, especially with his connections and resources at, at that point, and he absolutely could have made a more produced game if he wanted to. There was definitely right. no doubt about that. But he chose to make um, the beautiful story with the basic art style, and it worked perfectly, and it really meshed well together. Right. Um, God, Davey Reedman and Lucas. I want to see Davey and Lucas Pope team up because, like, obviously, <laughs> can Reed they do that? Like, to less of an extent, like with the art design and sound design, but they're both just so interesting and artistic. And obviously, yeah. Reedman likes papers. Please. Oh yes, yeah. he does. Yeah, I wonder. So, I, I would. I would just pay money for like an interview of those two just talking to each other. Just oh, they should that. start a podcast. They should. They we should have them on this they tweet. All, uh, tweet at Davey and Lucas Pope. <laughs> somebody come hang who, out. Somebody who knows Davy Reedon or Lucas Pope, please have them reach out to us. Cool. Right, cool. Wait, I'd always be afraid of Reedon listening to this episode and being like, "No, you guys, you guys, you guys got it wrong." No, <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. He, he's he's a homie. I'm sure. Yeah, he's a homie. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, you you hit the head. Uh, you hit the nail on the head with the art design, and um, it's it's all very true. And uh, about sound design, Matt. How are we feeling about that? The Stanley Parable would not work without the phenomenal voice actor. Kevin Brighton. Kevin, Kevin Brighton. Brighton. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't think of a more perfect person for that. It's like they took a guy out of the British office 
and then <laughs> placed him in there. He's amazing. Yeah, he's, amazing. he's the he's seriously the most perfect narrator. I can't imagine that game without it. And it's crazy too because like to to actually concept the whole game before you have a narrator hired and hear his voice would have been so oh, did difficult. They really? Yeah, I mean he wrote I mean oh, he wrote I the no whole idea. thing. He wrote the whole thing out. He actually had it all in a notebook before he started building more and building a team and everything like that. And like Kevin, I, you know, I'm assuming Kevin Brighton came came in at some point around, you know, during the production and stuff. Right. Yeah. I could be wrong. Somebody's gonna fact check me, and that's fine. But <laughs> Kevin Kevin Brighton is is just so such a solid uh, narr- narrator, and um, the game wouldn't work without him. And then of course, like Davy Reedon's voice in the Beginner's Guide, it wouldn't work without that either. It's it's the whole game. <laughs> um, as far as the sound, I, I mean that. That's the sound. That's the breadth of the sound design. Um, unless you have anything else, Matt. Uh no. I mean, there's the the sound doesn't really serve much purpose in Beginner's Guide, barring using it at certain points to kind of make a make a point. Very atmospheric. Um, yeah. Nothing. Nothing. nothing it, it ain't no Lucas Pope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not on that Lucas Pope level of sound yeah. design. <laughs> but uh, I, I think uh, Davey's really into narration for sure. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him become like the narrator or narration driven game maker. I'm just, thinking of a game po- right, I'm just thinking of a game right now where it's like the narration and the story design of Davey Reedon with the art and music design, sound design of, of Lucas Pope. Oh, oh dude, God. that would be insane. Yeah. yeah. It's like Oprah Din, but there's a narrator. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe Davey will become like sort of like a Terrence Malick voiceover video game auteur. Terrence Malick, I mean, I'm with you, Matt. He's a filmmaker. I think I told you about him. He uses a lot of voiceover in his films. He's very well known sure. for it. And uh, Davey, I know you know who that is because you went to USC Film School, so please become that guy. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah, sound design. Uh, narration, solid. A few music choices in the Beginner's Guide were great. Uh, now, Matt, who do you have for the NPC award? I mean, for the for the Stanley Parable, it's really just either the narrator or the female narrator, and I'll go with the female narrator. Can can we argue that those are not NPCs? Is there any NPC? Okay, an NPC is a non-player. Oh, you know what? He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a character in the story, and you can't play as them. No. Ah, okay, non-playable character NPC. Okay, um, that's a good NPC. I, I would say the female narrator, just because I really like her ending too, where it's like the museum. Yeah, like it just keeps peeling back layers and layers of the game and then it's like i am the real narrator i'm the one that's like really overseeing everything and yeah it's, like, it's almost i saw i read an interesting comparison where it's like not believing in like the male narrator is um like a metaphor for atheism really <laughs> believing in the narrator like on that specific ending is like akin to believing in god and having faith and then the female narrator is like was just like a blast of like realism or something like no only you can save yourself type of thing whoa um, i thought that was really interesting too i like that i like that museum too. ending as well was just pretty sick i like that and then ending. yeah and then for the beginner's guide it was the machine oh okay was, uh, like the machine Koda's that you shoot creative brain thing yeah yeah exactly i like that my my npc pick um well i for the stanley parable i guess it has to be the narrator um, but for the beginner's guide, I got the NPC in the house when you're doing the chores. I felt I felt good doing oh, those chores yeah. in that house. I did. I liked it too, honestly. It yeah, was very refreshing. <laughs> it was very like warm. 
and inviting and very soft and just nice. You know, it's a nice house. I'm, I was a, like, I'm, a, I'm a sheep. Yeah, I'm a sheep. You know, me too. I like doing uh, the chores. <laughs> God, no. Uh, oh. I, I, um, I, yeah, I really like that part. And it was just kind of, I, I, for lack of a better word, it was very sweet. Um, and I think it was like, um, it felt very like at home, very cozy. Uh, and, and I'm a big fan of cozy environments and stuff like that. And that, that NPC definitely played a big role in making it feel that way. So, felt safe. Yeah, it felt safe. So that, that NPC gets the NPC award for me in this episode. Now, Lucas, you're a smart guy. You're, <laughs> you're, you're creative. I'm not. You're, you're a big movie guy. Um, artistic is a word I would use to describe you <laughs> no. uh, for your Tinder bio if I had to write it. <laughs> so what is your companion piece pick? for this and for any new listeners the companion piece is uh, where we look at any other medium that we think would go well with um, these games that a non-video non-video a, non, yeah, a non-video game so i um, mean you know, a book film uh, short series anything really anime art anime yeah. yeah anything that you think kind of relays a similar message as what we're talking about here and my companion piece pick for this is actually a film uh called the holy mountain by alejandro dodorowsky it's a 1973 Mexican surreal fantasy film. Um, it's this trippy underground phenomenon. Um, the Beatles at the time really liked it, uh, if that means anything to anybody out there. Um, and it's it's kind of a film school film. It's pretty obscure stuff. Um, I watched it when I was in high school because my older brother introduced me to it. And uh, it really did change a lot of my perspective on things. Um, it's very visually interesting. It's very visceral, uh, just super crazy and weird. Davey. I know you've seen that film. You went to USC <laughs> Film School, so you definitely saw it. Um, and I, it, it's also saying anything more of how it relates to these uh, might might spoil um, the people that would watch that film. So I don't want to say anything else about my companion piece. But if you're into these games, if you're open-minded, check out The Holy Mountain. You could, I think you can find it on iTunes for a few bucks. Also streaming on Prime for a few bucks renting. So, yeah. Matt, Matt what, what about you? For me, man, I got to go with... Mr. Nobody. Okay. Mr. Nobody. Uh, What's Mr. Nobody? I want to say it was released 2011. It is a movie uh, starring Jared Leto. And minor spoilers ahead. I don't really know how to give a fair description of it without (laughs) not spoiling it. Skip ahead two minutes, people, if you want to avoid this one. Basically, it's a movie that follows Nemo. I think the guy's main name is Nemo. And Nemo... Um, is the last living human in a world of humans that is um, all have figured out immortality because of like stem cells because stem cells right yeah yep. um, sounds right checks out and they're interviewing mr uh now i notice mr nobody uh they're interviewing nemo before he dies and nemo is giving his life story to this interviewer but he gives three extremely different uh versions of his life that all start and branch off at the same point of when he's forced to pick either going with his mother or his father as he divorce. And it takes you through all these different storylines. And then at the end of it all, Nemo tells you, or Mr. Nobody reveals, actually, I'm not real as an old guy. And you, the interviewer, aren't real. You're all inside my head right now. And he takes you all the way back to the beginning where he's forced to make that choice of going with his mom or his father. And that's the movie. Whoa. Unreliable narrator. Unreliable narrator. It basically takes you through the whole thing. Um, gives you like all these three different versions of what could happen and it's like you're kind of left to decide what's real what isn't real and it's like oh it's all just a dream bro 
Yeah. <laughs> Dang, I like that. That's a good companion piece pick. I'll have to check out Mr. Nobody. It's a really good movie, yeah. I, even with those like minor spoilers, because you don't the each individual storyline is very, very good. Yeah. And uh, definitely worth watching. Awesome, man. Awesome. So, last one. I want to end on. I mean, we're giving these games a lot of praise. <laughs> I want to end on the super high note of favorite moment. Favorite moment. So, what's your favorite moment? Stanley Parable for Stanley Parable it's the ending where you go into like Minecraft and Portal that one was sick because I was just like what you want to contextualize that ending um I don't exactly remember the lead up to to be honest but basically the narrator starts taking or do you want to yeah yeah so it's basically like you go to the, the you go to an area of the map that's not finished yet and the narrator says like oh are you happy now you're exploring an area of the game that's not even done yet He's like, does this make you happy? Like, are you excited about seeing, like, a part of the game that doesn't even exist? You go to, like, this big room that's just empty, basically. Yeah. Just, and, like, uh, tiles, basically. Yeah, and, like, the game's... That area of the game isn't finished yet, and the narrator talks about that. And, um... Yeah, sorry. And then and, and then he goes, like, oh, would a, would another game make you feel better? And then all of a sudden you're teleporting <laughs> so he starts, into... Yeah. He, he starts jumping you through Minecraft, and then he... You go into a portal where you're actually able to go and like solve a real portal puzzle, which is just yeah. crazy. And I was just blown away by I'm like, how how did he get like the okay for that? But I know. Yeah, he, he contacted Notch, um, the creator of Minecraft, and then he was like, Yeah, dog. <laughs> and, <the same thing. laughs> and um after quote some extensive paperwork, he was able to get um Valve to let him do um, Portal. Portal as well. And I, I want to say, too, he's lucky he got to Minecraft when it was still owned by Notch. Because now it's owned by Microsoft. And there's no way he'd be able to get through all that red tape, corporate red tape, to get to have that game in there. That's actually a good point to make. Yeah, that was yeah. nine years ago. So that was nine years ago. Minecraft was in a very different place than it is now. Very early. Yeah. It's now the most, like, most highest-selling game of all... It's like the biggest game. All... It's the highest-selling game of all time now. It's insane. Um, I think back then, yeah, it was just kind of like an indie phenomenon that was on, like, computers <laughs> must have been i don't even know if it was on consoles at that point yeah but, i want to yeah. say it came on the consoles around like 2012 or 2013 because i remember playing with friends in high school but different yeah. story yeah yeah different different pod maybe different pod. <laughs> but yeah no that's a that's a that's a cool ending i like that ending a lot um that's your favorite moment can i go mine for stanley oh and then for beginner's guide okay. uh just the ending um because it's just I, lo- I love how it really shows how don't overanalyze things sometimes. And that line where it's like, you thinking I'm depressed is more about you than me just blew my mind. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that line. I got, so my favorite moment of the Stanley Parable is probably the apartment ending. Um, oh my God, this this apartment ending actually like made my heart drop. <laughs> it's, so, it's so intense. Uh, so basically the ending is you follow it's like a certain- intense. Yeah, you follow this certain branching path where you end up teleporting to your apartment where you're like your girlfriend slash wife is okay so you go to this apartment and like you just hear feet you, you get teleported outside of an apartment door right and then you hear a girl on the other side of the door a female voice and she says like oh honey hang on let me just let you in real quick and the door opens and it's just a, a mannequin it's just a lifeless female mannequin it's super creepy and it's like really creepy there's like a weird sound that happens and then you enter the apartment and the narrator just does this really long monologue about what you're in the apartment. Basically saying like, you know, Stanley wanted to do this. He, uh, he, he it, it, 
it's hard to describe. Basically, the narrator just talks about the life that Stanley is having. Stanley would go and hang out with the boys. Stanley would go uh, do this and go go to work and talk to his wife. But then, like, these buttons start coming up on the screen, these instructions that say, like, push V to live life. And you push V. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, like, another instruction comes up while the narrator's talking. And it says, like, push, push shift to have a beer with the boys. <laughs> so I push shift. And then it says, like, it just starts getting even more, like, uh, kind of crazy. And, and the narrator says, look it, you don't have any free will at all. You'll just do whatever the screen tells you to do. And then it says, like, push B to, you know, live life or go to bed yeah. or whatever. And then you push B. And, like, as you're pushing these buttons, you realize that, like, you can't stop. Like, because pushing the button is the only way to progress the story. I specifically and, remember a moment, too, where I, like, I wanted to stop. I'm like, I got it. I gotta, yeah, I gotta exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it's just the nature. I, I, I think that's a lot of commentary on like free will and the nature of video games, which I think is super cool for these. I mean, that's what a lot of these games are about yeah. uh, or what these two games are about. And basically saying like, we can't stop ourselves from pushing these buttons. That's our job. That's what we do. We're Stanley. Yeah. You know, and, and we play as gamers, me and Matt, right? And you listening right here. We are gamers. We play video games. We push buttons on a screen, and we love it. Even with something like... That's Stanley Parable. And even with games that have as strong as narratives as, say, as something like like a Bioshock or a Bioshock Infinite have like these crazy, mind-boggling stories, they're still very linear. And it's still very much like, go here, defeat this bad guy. Yeah. Go here, defeat this bad guy. Watch this cutscene. And while I'm not criticizing those games, I love both of those games. It's just... it's. Stanley Parables has a very clear opinion on, in my opinion, on that kind of stuff. And yeah, it does. Too. Yeah, but I, I don't think I think that Coda likes Bioshock. Or not, sorry, Coda. <laughs> uh, Davy like likes Bioshock, right? I mean, yeah. he likes these popular video games that are out. He's just commenting on the absurdity of it all. He's asking you to be a better gamer, to be a more critical thinker. I think so, and I think so, and I think he's inviting you to think about what games are at their right. core, right? Yeah. And, and and this leads me into actually. One of my favorite endings too, and this is this is another one. Uh, I actually didn't get this ending. I saw this one on a playthrough, but I think it was super interesting. It's the not real Stanley ending, or like the ceiling ending. And it's this ending where you um, go through a branching path, and you end up kind of in the ceiling space above the two doors. Okay, and you uh, see yeah. your own body looking at the two doors. Okay, so it's almost picture like a ghost floating above your body, like a near death experience. Okay. And the narrator says, like, okay, Stanley, pick one of the doors. You know, I said that you go through the one on the left. And, like, nothing happens because you're not, you're not Stanley you're not anymore. Trying. You're the ghost of Stanley above, and, like, you can move and stuff above the ceiling. And, like, the narrator, like, ends up realizing that he's trapped. And he's like, Stanley, like, you have to move. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't say anything else unless you move. And he's like, he starts freaking out and like, there's a lot of fear in his voice. And he's like, Stanley, like, please. <laughs> and like the credits start rolling and the game is like about to restart, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I think that's commentary on like how games need an, a player and games need a creator. And they can't exist without the other. Like a game has to have someone playing it. Otherwise, is it a game? You know, it's just that narrator and Stanley just sitting there. Yeah, in that's infinite super interesting. Loop. And, and. You know, I think that that exists, uh, that idea exists even in the beginner's guide in one of the prison sequences where you're supposed to be trapped in there for like four hours 
or, or like an hour. And Davey, oh, game Davy right. just says, yeah, you know, Coda wants you to be in this prison for like an hour, but you know, that's kind of stupid. So yeah, here, you, you can get out now. And he like lets you out. Yeah. And he's uh, and then he says, me and Coda would often like kind of debate over whether a video game could even be like this, you know, can it, should it be playable or not? Should it be playable or not? You know, is that, does that, does that make it more like a video game or not like a video game? And uh, exploring that is just mind blowing. Inviting you to be a better gamer. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Matt. I know they're amazing. They're amazing. Honestly, I have no nitpicks. I don't think that there's there's any nitpicks with these games for me. I don't either. And I think reading, I don't think he's made any other games. But and originally in 2019, then in 2020, and now supposedly 2021, they're releasing an ultra deluxe version of Stanley Parable that expands on what they already have, and uh, adds a bunch of new content as well. So okay, I'll awesome. definitely give um, Daddy Readin, Sugar Daddy Readin, <laughs> all my money. <laughs> yeah, I'll give him my money too. And 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 for those of you listening to the pod, you could look forward to probably playing that later. Um, but it, you know, play the Stanley Parable now if you can. Play the Beginner's Guide now. They're not expensive games, and they're just super awesome. So, um, final conclusive thoughts on the game, Matt. What do you got? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> we've, we've dissected this, these games for like an hour now, and it's just this discussion, like some of our other discussions we've had, it made me like the game less a little bit because I'm like, <laughs> I was looking at it a little bit more critically, maybe. Yeah. This has only made me love each game more. They're both phenomenal. They're both a perfect example of video games as art. And yeah. I think anyone that would disagree that um, video games can be art just needs to play these two games to have their minds I changed. completely agree. I completely agree. I think um, my final thoughts, these are fruits and vegetables in video game form. I think they're, they feed your brain the good stuff. Uh, they make you think. Uh, they challenge you to think, which I think is just so important, um, especially in this day and age, or in any age, <laughs> really. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, there's so many things I didn't even get to get into. I mean, we're already over an hour on the episode, and there's the, I, I can go on forever and ever on like all the different endings of the Stanley Parable or all the more layers that we can kind of yeah. peel off of the beginner's guide. But, you know, it's, it, they're, they're so dense with, uh, with what they got in there. So this double video game it's episode like an is... Onion. It's like an onion. A lot of layers. Uh, it's, this is the best we can do with this double video game episode. So, uh, Matt, you want to move on to the ratings? Okay. Okay. All right, so, so we'll do one, one at a time. Yeah. And uh, let's do Stanley Parable first because it did come out chronologically first. Right. And to, uh, to clarify for everyone that's listening for the first time, Lucas and I, we do not discuss our personal ratings. Nope. Um, out of 10. Uh, it's out of 10. And then once we each say it on the count of three, we will then combine our scores to put it in one of our zones, and we'll go from there. Yeah, okay. Stanley Parable on go, okay? okay. Three, two, one, go. Ten. Nine. Oh, you gave it a ten. Okay, I wow. I have to. You I, know, go ahead. I, I just, I was thinking about it, and I didn't have any reason to not give it a, the only reason I could think of to not give it a 10 is that it is so untraditional. But for me, that wasn't good enough. Good enough of a reason to not give it a 10, personally. Uh, yeah, I think I, I think it's almost perfect. Um, I, I, I wouldn't call it like... I, I, and this is just me being like, being critical in my personal like opinions of things. I think I think it's like 9 is great. 9 is great on the Lucas scale, right? 10, there's probably one game that has a 10. So this is the highest I can give it without it being The Witness. <laughs> I'm, I'm, more, I'm more liberal with my ratings. Okay, okay, that's fine. Okay, yeah. now... Should we, is the beginner's guide rating? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
on go. Three, two, one, go. Ten. Nine. Oh! <laughs> Dude, you're crazy. You love Davey Reedon. I love him, man. He's so... Yeah, I, again, I... The meanings that I was personally was able to derive from um, the beginner's guide, especially like with the altruism stuff I mentioned um, and how it's kind of asking you to be like a better human in a way and be a better friend. I just, I, I thought it was, I thought it was amazing. And I, yeah, I couldn't think of any reason I didn't like it. And there was just so much commentary on like dissecting games, even though by virtue of how the game presents itself, you want to dissect it, but it's kind of against dissecting games. It's just, just, there's so much, so much dissonance you. going on, you know? Yeah. And um, again, same thing as Stanley Parable. The only reason I could maybe not give it a 10 is that it is at its core, a walking simulator and more untraditional, but that's not a good enough reason for me to knock it down. Right. Right. Dang. So that puts each of these games at 19. <laughs> okay. That's the highest score we've given a game on this podcast. Uh, 19 is really high. Matt, where does that, what zone does that put us in? Puts us in the cum zone. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just so stupid. I love how you say that. <laughs> yep, that's, that's the zone. That's, that's the zone the these games zone. are in. So that is uh, an official endorsement from Thanks for Playing uh, about these games. and Phenomenal. Um, just amazing, amazing stuff. So uh, I think that's all we got today. Matt? You want to tell them where we where they can find us online? You can find us online at TFP Podcasts. That's TFP Podcasts with an S on the end, and that is on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you feel compelled to write us an email, maybe get featured on the next episode of the Q&A, uh, you can reach us at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. And if you had so much fun with your favorite host, Matt, um, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at goodideamatthew. And on Twitch.tv, where I'll stream occasionally, I'm probably playing games with Lucas, um, Twitch.tv slash Matt. I think half of the podcast episodes are like us plugging our, our shit at the end. <laughs> it feels like such a long outro. Uh, uh, yeah, if you guys love me, uh, I hope you do. <laughs> I crave validation. Right, uh, <laughs> love me. You can follow. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Good Idea Lucas, and you can also give me a follow or a sub on Twitch at uh, Good. I, it's not really at on Twitch. Uh, Twitch.tv/slash Good Idea Lucas. Hit me with that <laughs> sub. Don't care if it's a Twitch Prime sub, but hit me with the sub. I would very much appreciate it. And uh, occasionally streaming some melee with the boys, uh, and uh, streaming Valorant with Matt. So uh, I think that's all we got for today, guys. All right, folks. Catch you next time. Skip it a bop!